Welcome to Salem the Podcast. We are your hosts and favorite Salem tour guides. My name is Sarah Black. And I'm Jeffrey Lilly. And today we are talking about Chestnut Street. So if you don't know, uh, it's a street in Salem. <laughs> Indeed it is, Jeffrey. <laughs> Chestnut Street. Uh, perhaps the most beautiful street in Salem, like, one could say. I think a lot of people have said that for a long time. Perhaps the most beautiful street in America, I have some also heard may that. say. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, well rumored and well deserved. Well designed. Yes, but <laughs> well, straight and what? wide. Yes, very wide. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to that. One of my favorite uh, little tidbits of random Salem information came from uh, another tour guide. Her name's Beth. Um, she runs Salem Haunts, and she's a born and raised uh-huh. Salemite. Uh, she's the one that remembers Elizabeth Montgomery waving from the oh, Hawthorne yes, yes, Hotel yes. when they came to film episodes of Bewitched. And she informed me that when they designed Chestnut Street, they made it wide enough so that a horse and buggy could do a Yui. Ah, oh, that's, that's the reason for the... How wide it is. Interesting. But yeah, yeah, according to her. Huh. Fascinating, yeah? I buy it. So any tour time from you? I've got... Uh, sure. Sure. What is it? A, a slight apology. Oh, shoot. Yeah, you <laughs> you do. Oh, I hope this person hears it, too. Oh, so obviously, uh, if you come take the tour, ask me what's in the briefcase. Uh, we all know that secret. If you don't know, go back and listen to the... I think it came up in... Love Nuggets? It did. That's what it came up. Right? Yep, yep. Okay. Because we yeah, talked yeah. about the first uh, historic nudes to be sent. Yes, yes, which I have stickers of in my briefcase. And and uh, we have been encouraging people, yeah, yeah. passerbys, people on tour to say what's in the briefcase. So yesterday I'm giving my tour and I'm talking and these three gentlemen sort of walk past and Jeff couldn't tell if they were being I, I serious. I didn't get the vibe that they were not heckling. Because sometimes that does happen. As a tour guide, we get heckled all the time. Yeah, I've had people come up and just like stand in front of me. Yep. I've had people like come in and just like start asking questions. Start yelling at you. Try to correct you. Yep. Uh, just yell at you on the street. Yep. You know, yell at you driving by. And that was the impression that I got. And I was wrong. So what did, what did you say to him, Jeffrey? He's like, <laughs> I, I think at first they walked past. And he's like, what's in the briefcase? And I just ignored him. I was in the middle of the tour, right? <laughs> and, <sighs> and he asked again. Okay, no, no. And then they, they cross the street and then one of them comes back. He's like, hey, man, what's in the briefcase? And I was like, you can go eat your dinner. Because <laughs> I think they were headed towards uh, Adriatic. Oh, my goodness. And then another one was like, oh, thanks, Jeffrey. And I was like. <laughs> oh, I, you dropped the ball on that one. I, I did. So and apologies I, to whoever you are. <laughs> my friends out there, I, I apologize. That's so uh, funny. I just. It happens. The, the vibe, I just wasn't. Hey. Yeah, yeah. And there was no, like, predicating, like, oh, hey, love the podcast. What's in the briefcase? You know, nothing that, that gave me uh, an understanding that. So you say he was giving off jerk vibes? Not necessarily. <laughs> Tourist vibes. Okay, okay. You know? Yep. Maybe, like, someone who's the heckling vibes. <laughs> Uh, well, sorry uh, to whoever you are, Jeffrey. Yes. Jeffrey feels real bad about. I'm sure you're not going to forget that one. No, no, I. Uh, yeah. 
anyway, so that's that's that. Very nice. Um, but uh, other than that, uh, I I have some news for you. Okay. For us, what? for them, for all the listeners. What? And especially all the listeners who attended our first live show. Okay. What did we get at our first live show? A uh, Salem the Pod inspired cider. Yes, we did. What's happening right now? They're bringing it back. Oh, shut up. Are you serious? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's so exciting. Yes. Where did that come from? Uh, I was at a a Chamber of Commerce event there the other day, and uh, we were chatting, and he's like, oh, yeah, going to bring back Hana Pepper. I was like, hell yeah. I was like, no shit, really? Oh, my gosh. And then as I was leaving, I was like, hey, can I I announce this? Like, is this, like, official? He's like, no, no, no. And he's like, no, do it. It'll force us. Th- then it'll force us to make it. Okay, good. Yes, guys, tell them you want the haunted pepper. Uh, so they. they That's will great breathe. too because not a lot of people got to try it. Like no, we, it was done that day. No, they no they had a little oh, bit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They had two kegs. We we went through a whole keg that live show. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. they'll be coming up with at least a couple kegs. Uh, Hell yeah. Of haunted pepper. So maybe when I don't know when they debut debut it debut debut it but maybe like we could go down for a drink that day oh, i was gonna know what we should do we should go down with sheets and dressed as ghosts. little ghosts <laughs> i love it okay and maybe if anyone's listings around could could join us oh yes yeah we'll, we'll make it a little announcement if yeah. you want to come have a, a drink with us whenever that I, I don't know the details or anything like that so i've just put them on blast and now they're uh but yeah he, he said far from the tree they're bringing it back and i was like what and then I, I i was i took on my phone i was like no 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 don't tell her good call just wait well done thank you <laughs> thank you thank you for this you're, you're very uh, welcome we're doing another late night uh recording and i am much tired much more tired than last time so this has revived me you don't even need the cider. You just need to to think about the cider. I also had a good night fatty cookie before this too. Oh. So hopefully the sugar is setting in soon. Yeah, yeah. That'll be good. What I heard they had some good flavors this week. Oh, this weekend was ridiculous. Like pineapple's not the right word. Pop tart. That's the one. Ugh, I had that twice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I don't have like crazy tour time to share. I've had a lot of descendants lately, which mm-hmm. has been fun. What? Why are you making that face? Sorry. Did I talk about my Giles Corey descendant? No. Oh, okay. You can keep going. We can. I'll say. Are it you later. sure? Will yeah. you be able to pay attention to my story, or yeah. are you just gonna wait to share yours? No, no. I'll pay lightning. Just like and it. Thank you. So carry on. Carry on. Okay. Yes. Do you do? You, are you sure you don't want to just? You're, do you want me to go? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, I had a a tour. Uh, you know, whatever standard, and I do my first stop, which is mostly just like laying a foundation of of the area and the peoples and the religious connotations and these sorts of things. And we're like, okay, let's go to the next stop. We're going to talk about Betty and Abigail. And when the guys come up to me, he's not an older, older gentleman, but older than me. And uh, he's like, Hey, uh, just, if you get a chance in your tour, can you like fit in Giles Corey? I'm a descendant of his. And I was like, Oh, yeah. can you fit in Giles Corey? <laughs> Dude, well, you, he- t- you should take all the tours. You're going to be really excited. <laughs> I, He's the star. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wait. And you, oh, no, you talk, you are very straight up about Giles and like all the bad stuff that he did. Yeah. I'm sure this guy was not expecting that. And and so I, there are things that I cover, some of the more gruesome things I cover in my night tour than I do in the afternoon tour. But 
because he'd asked. Which one was he on? The afternoon tour, the okay. Witch Trials tour. But did you beef it up? Because oh, it- absolutely. <gasps> oh, Jeffrey. <laughs> what? He asked. Yeah. And, and at the end, how did he, he feel about it? At the end, he's like, I don't think I'm going to be like talking about who my ancestors are very <laughs> much anymore. And I was like, no, no, no. Like, you know, you, now, you know, dude, the you more, know. you know, exactly. Yeah. And like educate, like yeah. that's super exciting but for everyone course, who doesn't remember Giles Corey beat his disabled farmhand to yeah, death yeah. and possibly killed his second wife. So, and may have lit his neighbor's barn on fire and definitely stole stuff from his neighbor. Yep. Uh, not the best guy. No. Although. <gasps> now I remember something. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Uh, so I, I also like dispelled the, the, the land rumor and the inheritance rumor. Cause he'd like heard about stuff like that. And I was like, no, 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 that's not a thing. So we were able to like sort that out with him as well. Um, go. Okay. That, so that's all I got. Yeah. We got a message from someone Uh huh. and they were like, Hey, uh, Hold on, let me see if I can pull this up. Okay, there we go. Shout out to Elizabeth Bay. She says, hey, I think what was actually hanging from Giles Corey's nips was a male hawk, a.k.a. a tersel. Do you remember all the way back to the Giles Corey episode where we talked about the turtles hanging from his chest, how he like bursts through the door and he's got these two turtles on his chest and we've been making jokes about it ever since. And it was in the documents spelled tersels and we couldn't figure out what it was and we eventually landed on turtles. We're like, oh, they must've meant turtles, but quite possibly it may just be tersels which is a male hawk in that wild we will never know and it was also an apparition that one of these girls made up so like <laughs> I, I googled it uh, a male hawk especially a male peregrine falcon yeah um which and correct me if i'm wrong can reach speeds of i think up to 170 180 miles an hour are you sure that's the I know there's a special very fast hawk. Yeah, no, it's a peregrine falcon. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Where she's just like buzzing down at Giles. <laughs> I don't think that's would they call that? Who knows? I think we'd have to look into at their the, like vernacular. Yeah, and at the if time they, they what the genealogy is the wrong word. Uh, what's word? Not zoology. When you talk about like the the evolution of words. Oh. Like where that word comes from. If it's like a, you know, Germanic word that, you know, influence started to influence our language in, you know, 1750, then you're like, well, obviously. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's something to, to hunt down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So was it, were they turtles or were they tersels? Or were they turtle hawks? I don't think I, that's an option. You know what? I'm just, I'm just trying here. Not an option. <laughs> okay. I'm done. What did you got? Sorry, I interrupted you. Any any tour stuff from your end? No tours necessarily. I mean, everything's been good. Everything's very busy. Mm-hmm. Saw a very excellent set of Sanderson sisters in oh, Salem yesterday. Yes. They were. I was like, Bet, is that you? <laughs> like, she was good. A um, lot of descendants recently. Had one of Samuel Wardwell the other day. A couple of Susanna Martin. Same. Really? Yeah. Oh. wonder if they're the same. No. No? No. Okay. Who knows? Possible, but probably not. Okay. 
But random little uh, tidbit of information I picked up unrelated to Salem and unrelated to tours, but related to Daniel Webster. Oh. Since it's funny that you bring up the briefcase thing. So I went hiking in the White Mountains. I saw. This last week. Yeah. And... I was chatting with my friend, Sam, her mother, and she's like, oh, or I told her where I was going. She says, is that where the old man on the mountain fell off? <laughs> and so I'm not, obviously I'm not from around here. Oh my God. So I don't even know what that is. And I thought she meant like a man fell off the mountain. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so I'm looking into it. I was like, wow, this is serious. And she's like, no, it was like a, a rock formation. And I was like, okay, cool. So then obviously I'm very inquisitive about it. And I start looking into the history and I just find it so fascinating. One part that blew my mind, it's what's on all their road signs. Like when you're driving through the state, yeah. I never knew what that was. I was like, what is this thing? It doesn't even look like their state. Like it, I... <laughs> It's a face. So there is, there's a, there is, <laughs> there is a part of, I don't remember which, I think it's on Cannon Mountain. That sounds vaguely right. It's th- been a while. I think it's on Cannon Mountain. And if I remember correctly, you could have seen it when you were looking from the north or you're looking northward. Yeah. And it is the profile of a man's face. Yeah. And it was. <laughs> was. Yeah. It, it, um, crumbled back in 2002 2002 or 2004 no yes no yes no yes jeffrey no way it was that long there's no way 2003 it's 2003 so it's been a while 20 years it's been 20 years i would have said like eight to ten Jesus. so okay this thing this this profile of a man you know it was very important to New Hampshire as a state, but it's also been important to like people throughout time, you know, like even the indigenous cultures right. long before like, us yeah, yeah. used to have legends and stuff and, and stories surrounding this like man, giant frozen man stuff. on the yeah, mountain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I read that both Nathaniel Hawthorne and Daniel Webster had hiked those mountains and had written about the man on the mountain. Really? So I was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like Daniel Webster, like Nathaniel Hawthorne, yeah. like we know that he likes nature and he does those things. And he spent time in the um, you know, Western part of Massachusetts, right. uh, Berkshires and whatnot. So of course he'll go up to the whites. But also I forgot Daniel Webster was a statesman for New Hampshire mm-hmm. and he was born and raised, I think in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously he spent time there. Yeah. And then, and I was, I was walking And right at the beginning of the trail, I came across this, um, like natural, they call it a pothole. Like it's just carved out like from rushing water. Sure. And there's this little wayside sign in front of it. That's talking about how Henry David Thoreau stood right where you stand and looked at this same pothole this many years ago and la 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 la. And I'm like, guys, what's happening right now? (laughs) Like I'm not even... I'm not even trying. And so, there are, these historical <laughs> figures like, are surrounding me. Oh, it was wild. It was cool. That's, that's, Literally wild. That's cool. Ugh. That's cool. Time. So, yep, that's uh, my little fun little yeah, for the little For those thing. New Hampshireites, those who remember the old man in the mountain. R.I.P. Yeah. To be fair, it was kind of hilarious when it fell. 
Don't say that. Well, like it's it's still all over. People everything. like left flowers. I read yeah, it, was it was like a, a big, big thing. Deal. Yeah, but it's all over everything. So like the and I'm sure the memes today would have just like oh my lit it. <laughs> but it's 2003, so you know we, we don't we don't have that yet. Yeah, I mean, we barely even have the internet. I'm probably still running on dial up. <laughs> but like I remember people being like, it's on their license plates. It's yeah. on their. their official seal no maybe not the seal it's on the quarter it's on yeah Their it's, quarter? it's on the um i had no idea i thought it was just a all rock. the road signs yeah oh that was a big deal so the more you know i didn't know that that's the more you know the more you know well, thank you for sharing uh-huh. i quite forgot about to be fair like i still think as i'm sure many people who grew up here and that it's still there there you don't even think about it being gone I, yeah, yeah no it's not like in my head you have to tell i'm like oh right that's not a thing yeah i can still see it like as i drove by anyway so too funny yeah all right let's uh talk let's head back to salem and talk about some unnatural features un i mean yeah i guess it's a road a road is man man made yes which is weird cuz like you know the New England area is very old. Like yeah. we don't get a lot of new roads out here you, you very could, often. You could argue that Essex Street is not man-made. Ah, it's foot-made. Sure. This is a trail. Yeah, yeah. But we're talking about Chestnut Street. Yes, which is adjacent to yes. uh, uh, Essex Street. but they Which are... was man-made and very much planned. Yes. It has been described as actually the first planned street in America. I have heard that. It was uh, constructed between 1796 and 1805 on farmland once belonging to the Pickering and Neal families. And so, of course, the Pickering house is still there. It's, you know, one, well, one and a half streets over. Yeah, but on I, Broad Street. Yeah, but if you sort of look at a map, you can see the Pickering house, and they also have a good plot of land, and how probably that land then would have taken up behind the house and all that is now Chestnut Street was theirs. Yep. As well as the Neal family, mm-hmm. which I did look up. Uh, the Jonathan Neal house still stands located at 12 Broad Street. When I was, so it starts in the late 17, early 1800s. I think the first house is 1804, 1805. But I was driving down the other day and there were signs for like 1856 and stuff like that. And I thought I was like, wait a minute. Because, like, we have an image of Chestnut Street as it's in its final form. Mm-hmm. But imagine being, like, 1804 and you have, like, the first house. And there's, like, 1812 and there's, like, another couple houses. Oh, yeah. It wouldn't be nearly as yeah populated as it is now. But also, I was looking, 1804, 18, I was like, th- the time between those two houses is longer than the time I've been alive. But you also got to think, too, you know, there might have been another home that stood yeah. before that that yeah. just got demolished and... That was put up in its place. But it's like so often we talk about like all the housing that's going up and all the buildings that are going up. Oh, yeah. Up. The, the subdivision. It's not It's not like it is now. It's not like they're putting house up one yeah. after another after another. They. It's a slow progression. But you could have lived on Chestnut Street for 50 years and then someone puts a house next to yours. You got to be like, God damn. I was going to say that that happens today, too. Right? Can not, you in, not in Salem, though. They're like, oh, look at this. I got this like, nice little plot on this gorgeous street. And then they come and they're like, oh, someone bought that plot and we're, we're building a house. So why did people start settling this area? To get away from the hustle and bustle of the seaport. So it was think, a little fishy. Yeah. Well, prob- 
Probably a little smelly. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely a little loud, dirty. Yep. And uh, think about those dates we're talking about. So Chestnut Street is established between 1796 and 1805. We're right in the midst of the Great Age of Sale. Mm-hmm. We're Remember coming off. Uh, Elias Haskett Derby's house was built in 1799. The town hall, uh, as we know it today, is built in 15, 16 years after that. So it's right in that bustle. And today we have a couple wharfs and half a ship. When you have 100 wharves and 1,000 ships, it's going to get a little... Crowded. Yeah. Yep. And all these merchants had made quite uh, some... They had made some pretty big fortunes, so why not take that money, build yourself a nice big mansion a mm-hmm. little bit of ways away from the port, and uh, live out your days over there. Slash wherever else you want it. Mm-hmm. So for the first 30 years of the 19th century, these large ornate mansion homes were built along Chestnut Street, most in the Federalist style. And I'm kind of excited because we get to talk about McIntyre again. Right. Samuel McIntyre. So I didn't, we talk about like these different terms and I'm not a big like architecture connoisseur. But like what these things mean and like what is that? And I was a little confused. And I read a couple articles and it's still like not making sense to me only because they're, I'm sure if you exist in that world, then you get familiar with the terms just as we're familiar with terms in in what we do. But I'm like, oh, right. We're talking about pillars and windows and styles and facades and inspiration from Germanic this and Romanesque that. And I'm like, ah. It's a lot. It's a lot. But the Federalist style architecture dominates uh, Chestnut Street, which also, do you know why it's called Chestnut Street? I don't. I did come across uh, one of Donna Seeger's. Um, she works, she's a professor at Salem State University. She made mention of perhaps, because like we said, the street is planned. Mm-hmm. I believe those are elm trees they are, they're elm trees that line the street. Those were planted there because they were kind of in fashion for right. planting around streets during that time. She speculated that maybe when the street was first established they were going to plant chestnuts no there were chestnut chestnut trees there on the pickering and neil land but that's just she just threw that out there as a possibility i mean that's possible i'm not i haven't seen any actual reference to it it's always chestnut street with elm trees yeah and i couldn't find because normally, like when you look at Essex, and we know why a lot of you, know, you look around town, especially Washington Front, Derby, Chestnut, and I was like, oh, and I'm like, yeah, we don't have like an actual yeah. legitimate reason for you, so sorry about that. I was I was kind of hoping that you you would have come out and be like, well, actually, but anyway. So Federalist is a classic architectural style, mainly found in buildings built between 1780 and 1830, with a heavy emphasis on 1785 to 1815, which it gets its name because it is the Federalist period. Right. Um, The Federalists were a political party. Alexander Hamilton was a Federalist. Founder of the Federalist Party? George George Washington was a Federalist. (laughs) Mm -hmm. These are predating... Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. And also we get uh, Samuel McIntyre who carves Federalist style. So it's not just architecturally. It's also, I don't know what that word would be, aesthetically. Like there's other Federalist 
style aesthetics. Yes. It's not, oh yeah. It's not. It's not just like a, yeah. It's a. It's, a, it's an aesthetic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The all the details. It's not just like the the building itself, yeah. but it's the. It's own, not just the columns, just the brick, just the roofs, just the thing. There's certain characteristics yeah. that fall under that umbrella. So you'll see a lot of symmetry, um, very boxy structures, uh, classic Greek and Roman influences, Which like those co- those columns and those friezes. Uh, some big examples would be Monticello and the White House. And actually, funny thing is, if you type into Google, like Federalist Architecture, mm-hmm. and you pull up the Wikipedia page, Salem has its own, no, little, its own little subsection thing. in and there. I, because, I one. because Salem does have the you know, pretty much the largest concentration of Federalist architecture yeah. in the country. Which really speaks, it's it's sometimes hard to like really understand what the great age of sale and the wealth would have looked like here. And when you have that concentration of those buildings and of those styles here, you get a better feel for it. But uh, the classic Greco-Roman style was interesting when I saw that because of course that is one of the inspirations for sort of the idea of America itself with those uh, uh, democratic ideas. Oh, well, that's why. Yeah, that's why it's yeah. coming back. So that's why we have that. It's as very in. We're establishing the country. We're mimicking both the political ideology and the physical aspects of those of those times, which is pretty neat. Yeah, we chose to do that. Like yeah. people, whether they do it subconsciously or it's just you know they follow the trend. It was in because democracy was, was in. in. But no, I totally agree. I think. Uh, Chestnut Street is probably the best example of Salem's wealth. Like Mm -hmm. if if you want to look at what Salem was back then at the peak of its economic prosperity, that is the product right there. And the cool part is it's kind of frozen in time. So you can still walk the street and see the same houses that stood there 200 years ago. I, I was reading an article uh, about chestnuts, I think it was an event or something, and they were talking to one of the homeowners, and she said that uh, she felt like a custodian of the house, not like an owner of the house. I could see that. Like they have to take care of it. And she's only here; it's been here four or five of her lifetimes, right? And she has to exist in this space that has all this history and has all this stuff, and it's her responsibility to to take care of it. And I was like, Phew. and to treasure it. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to give a good shout out to Jen Ratcliffe of History by the Sea because mm-hmm. she does a great little article about uh, Chestnut Street. And in it, she talks about how the although the exteriors of these homes were distinctly American, the interiors were very rich in Eastern influences. Because, of course, the city motto is... To the farthest ports of the rich East. And so they'd bring back all that stuff which then inspired their decor. Exactly. Their interior design. Hand-painted wallpaper from China, fine silks, Mm -hmm. exotic spices, porcelain. Uh, These would have been very luxurious homes, both inside and out. And in the latter half of the 1800s, those um, Asian influences would start to migrate into the exteriors. You'll see and. Some of them you can still see today, the overlapping ovals, geometric motifs, and fan designs. In windows and, and window frames as our, our, our big ones. I think we should take a walk down Chestnut Street. Right? We can go on either side and shout 80 feet to each other. <laughs> you can't get one of those little... Um... The string and the... Key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So how about we talk about some specific buildings on Chestnut Street? Yeah, there's a lot that are very important, but we've got three, two, two. I went pretty hard on three in particular, and I think you picked up on a, at least one other one that I know nothing about. So uh, Caroline Emerton, you mentioned yeah. as we were getting started. Just briefly on, on, on that one. Um, okay. Do you want to start with her maybe? Sure. Was she born on Chestnut Street? No. No, it was a house that she got or purchased and never really intended to live in. Oh. Um, philanthropy, you know, there's a spot that opens up on, on Chestnut Street. and She it. wants to preserve the home. Yeah, yeah. So uh, she does that. Interesting. Do you know which one? Arguably the first one or the last one, depending on. On which side of Chestnut Street you're on? Yeah. Okay, so which side? It's uh, it's like behind it. Mm-hmm. Flint Flint Street. Flint Street side. Okay. Yeah. So, so towards Gallows Hill. Yeah. Yeah. So we either got towards downtown or towards Gallows Hill. That's <laughs> I'm using my directions <laughs> here. That's that's good. So it's gonna be 48. Yeah. So it's the I guess that's the last. Right. But she never lived in it. But she no, bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And had it refurbished and redone and whatnot. And we I don't because of course it's Caroline Emerton, so yeah. we don't know anything you're right yeah yeah right because you know but we know that she did it she invested in it she had it fixed up and then didn't so given that it's carolina rich and you're like well okay that's cool i wonder yeah. if the people that live in it now know probably pro- I, th- I feel like everyone on chestnut street probably knows you if you live on chestnut street you better know the right? history exactly. behind your yeah. house <laughs> All right, so let's move on to Hamilton Hall. And I think we forgot to mention, uh, you, you dropped it briefly at the beginning. This is this street, Chestnut Street, is located in the McIntyre Historic District, yes. which was formed in 1981 when they combined two existing historic districts, the Chestnut Street Historic District, so it actually used to be its own, and Federal Street. So it looks like Essex Street just got left out in there, as well as Broad Street and all the others. But Bots Court. Bots Court. Oh, my favorite <laughs> little Bots Court. I tell you what, if you get a chance to walk down Chestnut, um, and hopefully you do after listening to this episode, go through all those little side streets yeah. between Essex and Broad and Chestnut and Federal, because they're all just filled with beautiful homes. Expensive homes, too. Very expensive. I was looking at Zillow, to be fair. That's what you did for this research? <laughs> I wanted to know. Like, what are, what are these houses worth, right? Oh, God. But most of them about 1.5. Wow. Uh, there's a couple little higher. There's one a little over two. Uh, there's a couple. One's uh, 2.25. Uh, one's 2.10. Oh, my gosh. One's, another one's 2.5. But they're all sitting. That's million, guys. Oh, yeah. Million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, but they're all sitting in, in a comfortable between one and two mil. Oh. And then, of course, pretty much every street in the surrounding area is clocking it in either the the, the high six figures or, or low one millions. And I think a bunch of them are single family homes. On Chestnut? Yeah. Or I think all. I think I've, I've heard before that they're supposed to be single family homes. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're not getting split up into apartments or anything, but they do have some townhouses. Like, there's there's like doubles where you have one on each side. Like, like, like my house. Yeah, but it's like built to be that way. No, that's, yeah. Yeah. That was a thing. Yep. Yeah. So those aren't, that's. That's like technically two different homes. Two different homes. Even though the building is connected. Is, yeah. 
Yeah. So it's going to be like 37 and 39. Right. In ter- not 39A and 39B. So filled with residential spaces, but also we have one that is not residential. I know, just one, which I appreciate. Called Hamilton Hall. It's a fancy little place. Big place. Big place. Three sto- three-ish stories. I was going to say, is it three? Yeah. I've never been inside. Are you sh- I'm serious. <clears throat> I have never been inside. Okay. Well, we got a, we got a field trip coming up. Okay. I don't know how. We, we'll, we'll get you. It's literally my neighborhood. I know. I should just go over. Yeah. Shame on me. Okay. Yes. And it's designed by my beloved <laughs> McIntyre. <laughs> oh, is that what he's called now? <laughs> Samuel McIntyre designed and carved some, uh, like the eagle on the front mm-hmm. uh, was carved by him. And the bunting is not the right word. Cloth hanging. It looks like curtains. Yeah. 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 On the side. So, okay. So Hamilton Hall is a little funky because it's technically not on Chestnut Street. It's technically on it was Cambridge Street. Yeah, the front door yeah. is on Cambridge Street. Right. The length of the building runs along Chestnut Street. Yeah, so if you look at the side of Hamilton Hall, um, what you're going to see is one floor of windows, or like a bottom floor, and then large arched windows. And that's two, f- two stories. So that's from the side. And then above those arched windows are the carvings of Samuel McIntyre. And then if you look from the front of the building, what you're going to see is three distinct floors. So part of it is three floors, but the ballroom inside is two Has floors. the double, the, the very high ceiling. Yeah. And also, if you're looking from the outside, you're going to see these little claw things. Uh-huh. In, you know what I'm talking like about. Like in the front? On the side. On the so, side. So, so on, the, on the Chestnut Street side. Yes. Uh, underneath the windows are these little like claw things. They're like, look like two pronged hooks. They're okay. black iron metal. And that's part of the support structure for the floor. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because it has a bouncy, dancy floor. Yeah. Because it yeah. was put up originally as a gathering place yeah. for events of all sorts. And they wanted to make sure that that floor was not too harsh on the legs. So it's got a little spring to it. Not, it's not, like you can't like jump up and down and like it's not like a trampoline, but when you're on it, like I always feel uncomfortable. Can <laughs> like, can you feel it a little bit? You can definitely you. I don't know if you can like feel it, feel it, but like your brain knows, right? You're like walking on something like a little squishy that's uh-huh. not quite supposed to be, and you're like, and it's a hardwood floor. It's a hardwood floor. Weird, and it's like, is the floor okay? Is it gonna like buck? And like that's sort of what runs through your brain if you're not accustomed to it. But yeah, it's a pretty cool place. So built, as I said, as a gathering space for the people of Salem, more so the upper and upper middle class, and it is still used in the same way today. Yeah. Uh, what's the last thing that you went there for? I must. I must have gone to a Christmas ball a couple years ago. That was actually the first event that they ever had was a Christmas ball. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's so funny. <laughs> well, that must be... So the Christmas ball is uh, a lot of fun. It's a little form... It's a lot formal. Okay. It's like ridiculous. It's Hamilton Hall. Yeah, yeah. Like, but like um, you're going to bump into a, probably a significant amount of residents of Chestnut Street. Ah. Uh, you're going to bump into uh, elected officials from okay. the state. Uh senators state reps those sorts of people oh very fancy yeah um 
so you go in and that's the bottom drop your coats bottom floor go up the stairs and then there's a receiving area so they're not lords and ladies because this isn't england but they are the caretakers or the the board of hamilton hall and they are sitting at the far end of the hall and you come in with your or alone you don't have to go right you so you you come in and uh women are escorted by men and men uh are escorted by women and you are brought to these people seated and they have sashes red sashes like they're royalty or something and like they're wearing gloves and you curtsy and you bow and (laughs) (laughs) what yeah 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 like no joke yeah and then and then you're you're dismissed and then you go and and then you're dismissed we're not like dismissed oh my god thank you very much and then you 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 go to your table and and you you get your food and you get your whiskey and i think that the last one i went to christmas ball yeah i think oh no no wait was that burns night no, it was Burns Night with the whiskey. But anyway. Wow. Yeah. And okay. then there's dancing. And then they, they do like a lot of period style, you know, like the, the like the line dancing. Yeah, with like you all go down the line. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Now that <laughs> that I can get into. Yeah. And uh it's a lot of fun and uh got rip roaring drunk. There's a lot of people who are a lot of it was a very festive merrymaking. Well, and they do it every year, right? Um I know it's been probably weird with COVID, obviously. Yeah, so I went to one before COVID that was great. I went to one after COVID that was... Iffy? Yeah, so there was no big introduction. There wasn't as much pomp and circumstance. It was distinctly less attended. Okay. Um, I don't... 2020... It couldn't... It must have been 2021. So maybe... Well, we'll see what this year looks yeah, like. Yeah, I've heard good things. Definitely. Actually, uh, one of our uh, fellow tour guides has been known to make an appearance there. Ah, which one? Mr. Mike Vitka? Mr. Mike Vitka. Oh, he never goes to anything. <laughs> I know, I know. But he'll go to Hamilton Hall? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. Well, uh, and I don't even think we mentioned, it, uh, it is actually named for Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, the man, the myth, the legend. Do we know if he ever came to Hamilton Hall? I didn't see him mentioned in the list of famous people that eventually graced its halls. I'm going to say no, and not not to say that we know everything, but like you you can list. I we we know Washington came here. I know Lafayette came here. Yeah, Um, which Lafayette, the the Marquis de Lafayette, did stop at Hamilton Hall. But out, so I feel like that would be knowledge. He would have been listed. Yeah. Um, John Quincy Adams mm-hmm. did visit, and uh, he had a, a luncheon there, as well as both Roosevelts, FDR and uh, Teddy. Yeah, but I, as I said, the Christmas ball was the first event that they had. No, no wonder they put so much stock in it. I, yeah, I don't yeah. think I, I just thought it was a fancy party, and fancy parties are great, but fancy party, you know. Mm-hmm. But if they, if that's in a celebration of the first event that they have, it's it's obviously yeah. very significant yeah. to them. So I pulled this right from Hamilton Hall's website. I'm just going to read you this little excerpt about their first event. Quote: One of the first assemblies held at Hamilton Hall was the somewhat controversial Christmas Week dance when Parson Hopkins, minister of the South Church across the street from the hall, could be seen pacing outside, waving his arms and muttering, back to back and breast to breast, they are dancing their souls to hell. (laughs) Welcome to Salem, mother... (laughs) 
<laughs> How hilarious is that? They go on to say, this lively tradition, complete with chosen patronesses, curt- curtsies, and famous bourbon-based Peabody Punch continues today. Ah, there we go. Very much what we see on the streets of Salem today. Yeah, so. they're probably buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Ancestor. <laughs> they, they, they talk to each other using Ouija boards. Yep. Through time. Yeah. Yeah. To yell at the... The dancing, yeah. I mean, people of Salem, can, they they would be horrified of some of the dancing that goes on. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Ooh, last thing I did want to mention about Hamilton Hall, it was home to the Remond family. Yes. So again, we will have at least a one-parter. I'm thinking it's going to be a two-parter episode on the Remond family. Probably the most uh, well-respected, well-known black family here in mm-hmm. Salem. The two, like the matriarch and patriarch of the family, they were caterers. They lived at Hamilton Hall. So when you know Marquis de Lafayette comes in, and when John Quincy Adams comes in, they have their luncheons. The Remond family is are the ones that are producing that food and uh, serving and they garnered a stupendous reputation here in Salem and then their children uh, they had a ton of children uh, several of them went on to do very notable things uh, became very staunch abolitionists traveled around the country uh, Charles Remen was a brilliant orator uh, Sarah Remen same thing so we're going to talk about them at a later date for their whole own episode but they are heavily their story is heavily tied to Hamilton Hall and and we've probably met we probably we did mention them in the Charlotte Fortin episode as as well. Yes. So if those names sound familiar to you, you're not going crazy. So Hamilton Hall sits right across the street from a quaint little park. Isn't it so nice? You were over there. Just the I walk by all the time. Yeah, yeah. I love that place. Yeah. It's uh it's I think it's technically it's hard to say. Sometimes the gate is closed, but usually it's open, even at nighttime. So you can stroll through there at night. And uh, it's kind of just tucked off to the side. Most people don't even know it exists. It feels very weird to me. It feels empty. Does that make sense? Yeah, it is very empty. Yeah. There's like, there's one bench. At, and it takes like, it doesn't take 10 minutes to get to it. But <laughs> it, the bench is like very far away. <laughs> it's really not that far away. Like, can you imagine, you walk halfway, you're like, this isn't worth you're it. Like, what is, yeah. <laughs> <Just> turn around. <laughs> like if, if, but there's nothing marking it. So you're like, which I guess, is that, hmm. Is that where the pulpit was? Is that designed that way? Do you know if. I mean, the whole thing is intentional. It has okay. certain lights. The lighting is beautiful at night mm-hmm. against the trees. The landscaping is all very well done. And it is maintained by the Chestnut. It's like called the Chestnut Street Community Park or Neighborhood Park. And they're the ones, they're like the stewards of it. Yeah. So, yeah. But what used to stand there was a church. Yeah, we talked about that briefly in the Samuel McIntyre episode, I believe. Very briefly. Yeah, because he had a hand in... In that. Yes, he did. His hands and everything, that man. So unfortunately, that Old South Church, as it was known, burned to the ground on December 19th, 1903. Yeah. So that is unrelated, of course, to the Salem fire or other incidents. It just... Yeah, uh, 11 years prior 
to the Salem fire. A man named Parker L. Walker was the first to discover the flames. He was the church organist and was on his way to practice the Christmas music that was to be played just a couple days later. So yeah. December 19th. Yep. I was going to say, did you catch the date? It's like right before Christmas, which is so sad because obviously, you know, that's a huge day for church. So especially back then. Yeah. I can only imagine. Oh, can you imagine what the Puritans would have thought <laughs> if their church burned down? A co- oh, they didn't celebrate they, they, Christmas. Never mind. I was like, I was like, oh, oh. Be- before some holiday. If the church burned down, full stop. Okay, yeah, just yeah. any day. Yeah. <laughs> Lightning struck the church and caught fire. Burned for three days. Wishes. <laughs> Oh, so I was obviously looking through some old newspaper reports about this fire because I wanted to learn more about it. I didn't even know that that's where the church was. I had I had no idea for the longest time. I was like, oh, this is just a nice park here. Yeah, I didn't know and, until the McIntyre episode. And it's a very expensive street and that is a very big open plot of land yeah. like why would you just have it there with I, nothing on top of it? It's not the park and it must be like a don't like. I always thought it must be like like um, protected by the city or something. Yeah, um, yeah, like Derby Square or something on those right. lines. Right, it has to stay like it is. Yeah, and I think that's got to be part of it too. I I doubt anyone would ever succeed at trying to build something there at this point. Not even not even a church. No, yeah. nope, no, because churches have bad luck in that <laughs> spot. <laughs> so in the uh, the Boston Sunday Globe, they reported on the fire. The headline read. Thousands see flaming spire. Historic South Church Salem burned to the ground. Steeple considered handsomest in country and mecca of students. Flames spread so quickly that structure was doomed. So this is actually, this this changed the cityscape, like the skyline of Salem. Obviously, yeah. we don't have super high buildings here, but this was one of the taller buildings. And that church spire was renowned, um, carved, designed by Samuel McIntyre. It was, I think, one of the two tallest buildings in Salem at the time. And people just, thousands of people just stood there and watched this thing burn because they couldn't do anything to stop it it just it was it was lost and remember so it's also december so the, so the trees the, the trees are 100 years smaller in the first place not to mention there's no leaves there's no right so all those are gone so you have like a full clear view uh, of the church and it just must have lit it's gonna be haunting mm-hmm. i wonder i can't remember the specifics but the church that i used to go to in groton uh caught fire once and they put it out with milk Oh, that's weird. That's very grotten of you. <laughs> <laughs> I get wa- water and what we were a little. It was a, I think it was the mid eighteen hundreds. So like obviously getting that access to water, but they had more access to cows and milk, like storage of of milk. And then just, huh. yeah, put the fire. I don't know the specifics, but yes, it, do what you can. Yeah, clearly they didn't have enough milk here in Salem. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's a, we always talk about buildings that we wish we still had here in town, mm-hmm. like the old train station or the old theater. And this is another one of those buildings that, damn it, if we could just see that, oh, if we could go up into that spire of that church. That spire was over 160 feet. That's huge. Like, look at that. It's literally like 
the size of it's taller yeah, than the yeah. building itself. We'll post a bunch of pictures of the old South Church so people can see it because uh, it was a glorious building. Again, it's a shame that it's gone. So they replaced that church with another church, gave it a second go, um, Gothic Revival style building. And actually that that church that burned down wasn't even the first. They had another one before that. The first one they had, the original spire, the tower, uh, was damaged in a hurricane, I believe. So <laughs> again, Puritans would have had a field day if a hurricane mm-hmm. comes in and ruins their you church. Know what year that was? I, it's it's out there. I just can't remember. Okay. Um, eighteen hundred. No, it was built in eighteen o four. So, Th- this one was. Oh yeah. So sorry. This one was built in eighteen o four. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure when that first one. Okay. Was. Okay. The but, only reason I'm asking is because seventeen uh, eleven. Um, there's the bad storm that that takes out a chunk of the bearing point. Oh yeah, it's not. It, it's not it's, that far back. No, no, no. Remember, Chestnut Street's not even laid out. That's Pickering. Oh, that's Pickering land at that point, bro. <laughs> but it's so, late. It's okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's church number two. So they go to church number three after it burns down. Not in any way resembling the old church. Very gothic, uh, aggressive style, and that one burnt down in 1950. So, oh. so they hey. decided to not put anything else there, and they're just leaving that land alone. That's probably good. It's kind of eerie now to think about yeah. when you stand in that spot. When it gets a little misty out. No, going, ca- no casualties though. Yeah. Oh, that's so. good. That's good. So it's not like people burn there. No, that doesn't happen here. <laughs> not in Salem. Contrary to popular T-shirts. Anyway. <laughs> Do we want to cover the last one? Yes. I love this story, and I have been waiting to talk about this story for probably about a year now on this podcast. I didn't know any of that. I think this was one of those little things that I was sitting on, and it I wanted to let it out to you, but then okay. I was like, no, 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 no. I'll save it, I'll save it. <laughs> and then I was like, no, we'll save it for the Salem Love Nuggets episode, the Love Stories episode, because it's a really entertaining love story in a way. Not really love story, but like divorce story and revenge. Um, sure. And then I was like, okay, no, this needs to be its own episode entirely. Wait, did we not talk about her... We talked about this a little bit. We have talked. Yes. No, we did talk okay, about okay. that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, no, no, no. We've talked about We've that. We've talked about this. Okay. Um, a little not. bit. We just haven't gotten to the Chestnut Street part. Part of it. Okay. Okay. So if you are walking down Chestnut Street towards Flint Street in the direction of Gallows Hill, you will walk past Hamilton Hall on your left. Mm-hmm. You'll walk past that empty park where the South Church once stood on your right. And a couple blocks further down on your right-hand side, you will pass by the Phillips House. Yes, This is the only mansion in the only Federalist Mansion, the only home on Chestnut Street that you can actually go inside and tour. Regularly. Yep. Not year-round, but... Yeah. You know, general tourist yeah. hours, like summertime. Yeah. This one is open to the public. As a historic house museum. Do you want to say what it is? Do you want me to say what it is? Well, I think I, I've got a pretty nice build up here. Okay. Keep so- going. Keep going. <laughs> so this house was constructed by a man named Nathaniel West, who <laughs> may ring a bell 
We talked about him briefly when discussing Elias Haskett Derby and his family. We all know Derby, yes? Yep, richest richest man in America. Heteochromic eyes. So by all accounts, Nathaniel was a commoner and somehow attracted the attention of Derby's daughter, Elizabeth. He's a a ship captain. He's not... Yeah, but like definitely below her, yeah, yeah. He, her he's, station. He's not a he's not a Chestnut Street ship captain. Definitely not. Yeah. And Elias was not happy about this. Thought Elizabeth was, as I said, marrying below her. And she was. So what does she do? She okay. elopes. <laughs> she elopes. <laughs> like his, history one hundred and one. Parents ain't gonna listen to their kids, especially when you tell them who to love. Screw you, Dad. Yeah. Yep. So like they watching the Little Mermaid, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, indeed, the couple ends up marrying in 1783, and Elias warms up to Nathaniel and actually employs him as a ship captain captain on one of his privateering ships. And of course, this is during Salem's mm-hmm. Great Age of Sail. Nathaniel West went on to become a very successful uh, merchant. While he may have been successful in his business, he was a little less so in his marriage to Elizabeth. That's because he was focusing his attentions elsewhere. On the ladies of the night. Multiple. (laughs) Dozens. By all accounts. So by 1803, the couple had separated. Uh So they got some decades in, two decades, her father, Elias, had just died a couple years prior in 1799. Uh, remember leaving his enormous, luxurious McIntyre design mansion behind in Derby Square. To be torn down. A couple, you know, a decade and a half later. <sighs> uh, speaking of, I didn't even include that in the homes that we've lost. I oh. feel like out of all those, <laughs> yeah. that is the worst one. He not only left that behind, but he also left behind an estate in the countryside known as Oak Hill where the North Shore Mall actually stands now for us locals. Nathaniel and Elizabeth constructed a new home on the property. It was left to Elizabeth, um, left to both of them, I should say. And they separated just two years later. And by 1806, Elizabeth was living on the farm without Nathaniel. And that's where we see a divorce come in, which Mm -hmm. was quite rare for this time. Yeah. She had to provide evidence of his indiscretions. And so she... Uh, oh, I bet Daniel Webster would have loved to try that case. <laughs> she, uh, I don't know if she'd be friends. Like, you got to at least, like, be friendly, right? Like, you can't With just... With the ladies? Yeah, yeah. So it was her brother, supposedly, that rounded up those women. Oh, okay. I thought she did it. My guess is... I mean, oh, it was probably brother and sister. Okay, okay. I'm sure that there was yeah, there yeah. was some cahoots going on, and she was definitely contributing to this plan. Right. Uh, but my guess is they just paid them off. Like, hey, I'll, <laughs> this is a very rich family. Yeah, just give them yeah. some money, and hey, come in and say what you need to say in yeah. the courtroom. So they, they all, dozens, testified that they had all had illicit relationships with Captain West. He brought sex workers from Boston, from Ipswich, from all sorts of communities around Salem. It was a scandal. And now that she has provided the evidence for those indiscretions, the court basically awards her 
everything. Everything. And that divorce, which yeah. was extremely uncommon back then. Yeah. So she gets Oak Hill. And she also gets alimony from Nathaniel West, which I found quite striking because we all know that she is the daughter of Elias Haska Derby, one of the wealthiest men. I know he had quite a few kids, so definitely is getting dispersed yeah. amongst them. But still, she- I, I, I can't imagine that he, I mean, maybe it just may come down to the the ability to own and inherit with men and women in, in the early 1800s. But I can't imagine his wealth was greater than hers. Nathaniel? Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I would I would assume. But again, remember when you when you marry and all yeah, that yeah. that so, goes to your husband. But, but the court gave it all to her. So and I'm sure there's also family trusts and she had whatnots. She had yeah, she she was set. Yeah. She was gonna be fine. And the court but the, still but, made him pay her. Yeah, and then yeah. still got alimony <laughs> on top of that. Uh so three thousand dollars a year, which I did the computing and it wasn't even that much so oh. it was like seventy eight thousand in today's money oh i mean I, still that's i mean it's it's a salary but yeah. i thought i was expecting like way more okay so she she would stay at oak hill for the next eight years or so uh it's said that she didn't have a very happy life after her divorce yeah. elizabeth was often ill and feuding with her family as well as the locals which probably a little bitter I can't imagine that was socially good for her. Oh, no. Like, feather in her cap for all Todd today. You know, we appreciate the shit out of you. But she probably took some serious heat yeah, back in 1806. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Those social points. Like, she's not going to be invited to tea anymore. She, she's, she's not being invited <laughs> to the Christmas balls at Hamilton Hall. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. I even read that people would get up and leave church when she came in to take communion like that's how much folks were trying he came in to take (laughs) communion huh well nathaniel i mean i'm just saying as much as i don't like a guy that's cheating with numerous women it sounds like everyone really liked nathaniel so i think they would have had no problem letting him take communion poor elizabeth took the heat in this one and people wanted nothing to do with her although she did carry a bit of a bad reputation in general was kind of known to be vain and privileged which you grow up in the derby family no surprise yeah and also she doesn't unfortunately uh get the experience that her brother at least had no her brothers like elias haskett derby's uh, on the other side of the world having to you know ask dad for new pants because he had too much cheese and whatever but you know she's stuck at home she's stuck at home she doesn't get that world experience and so she's basically just needlepoint and oh shoot what are those samples samples so unfortunately for elizabeth she will die in 1814 she was pretty young uh early 50s And Elizabeth and Nathaniel had had six children, three daughters and three sons. And she will will Oak Hill Farm to those three daughters, which I really appreciate because like, I mean, that speaks to the times and yeah, and the spite because women had a hard time inheriting property estates and she specifically made sure that those daughters were going to get a nice chunk of that money go up to the liberty tree mall you know go shopping (laughs) she went even further though and stipulated in the will that no part 
could ever be transferred to her ex-husband. So Do you, I reading that, I, I got the feel that maybe her sons, their sons. What, she was concerned that like if she left it to the yeah, sons, they would yeah. just give it to their father. Yeah, yeah I, I got the same exact feeling yeah. from that. And I was yep. like, you little shits. And she was probably trying to, I think she was trying to protect her daughters because in a world where women have a hard time holding on to this type of money. And especially considering she's kind of been blacklisted. Yes. You know, she's giving them their own way. Yep. Well, just a couple years later in 1819, their daughter, Sarah, will die of tuberculosis. And she was said to be pretty close to her father and she willed her third of the estate to him. So what does any of this have to do with right. <laughs> the Phillips house on Chestnut Street? Yeah, we're talking about the Liberty Tree Mall here. Yeah. Like what's going on? This is probably when when I first discovered this and like I'm not gonna tell y'all where I live, but like this is my neighborhood. Yeah. And I've walked past the Phillips house many, many times. And I've always wondered, what the heck? Like, why? I have I have no idea. So one day I just decided to take it upon oh, myself okay. and read about this thing. And I was absolutely freaking mind blown at this fact. I, I thought I misread it. <laughs> oh. Right? I thought when I first saw it, I was like. You have to like re-comprehend it. Yeah. Like, that's not what happened oh it's what happened and then i had to go back and like refresh my understanding of um of elizabeth and nathaniel because i was like no she lived and i was like and then and that was where the liberty tree mall was and i was like no they didn't why so essentially when you walk by the phillips house that bottom floor that you are looking at is nathaniel's third of Oak Hill Estate that he inherited from Sarah, their daughter who died. So he, remember, it gets split up into threes. He gets one third now. After Sarah dies. After Sarah dies, despite, you know, Elizabeth's best efforts Mm -hmm. to keep him away from this estate. And what does he do? He chops off those rooms. Throws it on a carriage or I don't. Ox cart. Yeah. He moved it by ox cart. Can you, the slow. From Danvers. Can you imagine? To Chestnut Street. I love it so much. He must have. I I was. Oh, I want. I have so many questions. Like what road did you take, dude? He must have gone down. What what is that? 114. And like. Hits the lights. Do we know if that was there? No, Je- Jeffrey. <laughs> what do you mean hits the lights? Well, where, we where, don't the, have... where, where the lights are, and you, okay. you get the intersection. Not not the holy cow lights. The the ones past that, and then that road winds itself through Danvers into the backside of Salem. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. So it's probably one of those old roads. Like obviously the yeah. roads that we travel on in this area, they have been around for a for, very long time. So like chestnuts. <laughs> like chestnuts. So I'm sure we could easily trace his. His uh, <laughs> his ox, route. Ox path. But wow. So yeah, he, whether it's out of spite, whether it's out of the concern to create a McIntyre building on Chestnut Street, because remember at this point, this is 1821 when he does, does this, McIntyre has been dead for 10 years. You can't get another McIntyre building anymore. So maybe part of him- 
Bruce Nichols' house and be like, can I have an urn, guys? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or four rooms. Right. <laughs> so he just, he literally chops the rooms off this building and moves it by ox cart to Chestnut Street. And uh, as we said, federal architecture, very mm-hmm. symmetrical. So you've got four big rooms. So you've got them, you know, right side by side, arranged in a square. And you got one center hallway going down in between the two. And then he put on the top two floors as well as a little extension in the back. So what you see today is obviously, you know, added on to that original couple rooms he moved but the base of that home is born out of nathaniel west's spite (laughs) oh i don't even know it's great i don't even know it's the craziest story so ridiculous i love it so much it reminded me of uh like, I'm going to take my toys and I'm going home. Yep. Like, man, see, I don't need Oak Hill. I'm going to go live on Chestnut Street. And it's crazy, too, because he ends up getting the rest of Oak Hill. Like, his daughters, his other two daughters end up willing it over to him. And I think, like, like deeding it over to him. I don't even think they died. They just really? gave it to him. I don't think I knew that. Because one of them, unless, so one transfers it in 1826 the other one's in 1840 so like either he outlived all three of his daughters or maybe they just like deeded him deeded it over to him not sure but yeah he ends up he he ends up getting it all anyways poor elizabeth makes me feel a little dirty like i can just imagine i don't know i'm just i like to just make shit up in my head right like the conversation he was probably having with his daughters being like, I can be more responsible. Let I'll take oh, care of it. Oh, that's what you mean. I'll, I'll yep. invest it for you. Dude, I had the like, same like, thoughts. Like we can manage it better. Like we, I'll let you, you can go to your parties. Yep. You can do, let me take care yep. of this for, yeah. Yep. I told, cause like, why? Like, why would you need to give that to him? Yeah. yeah. No, pro- I, I had the same thoughts yeah. when I was, I was doing yeah. that research. But you can go and see the Phillips house. Yes. Like, like literally inside, inside. of it. Inside. Yeah. Gorgeous. I have not been in. I haven't either. But I was looking at some of the pictures and I was like, whoa. And they've got a super awesome carriage house in the back full of a bunch of old carriages and uh, like Model T's and stuff too. Which usually come out or are open for display in the annual car show, which was two weeks ago. Yes, we just missed it. Which we both missed. I was working. And I you was, just were sleeping. <laughs> I was not. I would literally. I wasn't. I was sitting here, and and we're good. And I went for a walk, and I came back, and we're just like chilling. And on my Instagram feed, you know, because you you subscribe to all the Salem stuff, it's like, oh, the car show was great today. And I was like, yeah, it's really cool the way they do it. They shut down like all the side streets, mm-hmm. so you can't drive up and down Chestnut. And you on both sides of the street, you just have lines of old cars, yeah, old music. Um, free tours of the Phillips house. It's all done by historic uh, New England, which we should mention. They're the yes. stewards yes. of the Phillips house. So, and actually to circle back to Caroline Emerton, she was one of the founding members of historic yes, New England. So they are the ones that take care of the Phillips house, oversee it. And uh, they will be the ones that will give you your tour when you go into the building. 
And why is it named the Phillips House? Because <laughs> that has nothing to do with West or Derby <laughs> or anything. The any of the people that we just mentioned, uh, it's because the Phillips family ends up moving in in the early 1900s. Uh, so this is a century after Nathaniel West, Anna, Stephen, and their five-year-old son, who, if I recall correctly, was also named Stephen. And Anna was responsible for spearheading a major renovation of the house in the colonial. Revival style, so as you see it today. And they were the, I believe, the last owners of the Phillips house. Did I see 1970, something along those lines? Yes. Maybe. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I'm not gonna. Okay. I can't I can't help you with that one. That's fair. But again, only mansion open to the public. Check out those times. It's a great, like, off-the-beaten-path thing if you're looking to escape the craziness of October. Uh, Hopefully, fingers crossed, they're open in October. I'm not sure if they are. But if they are, it's a great option to get away from the craziness. Thursday through Monday, 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Open October 31st, 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Oh, yeah, look at that. So they are open in October. Yeah. So, hey, and you know what? I bet they won't have a line. You're looking for something fun to do? Go, Go. check out the Phillips house and yeah. learn about this crazy, awesome story yeah. again. And and if you're coming, if you're driving into Salem off of uh, 95, 128, you see the North Shore Mall just as you exit. So that's pretty much, as you're taking that Salem exit, that's where the original structure of this house once stood. So as you spend three hours watching... <laughs> Through traffic to get into Salem during October. That's probably a a tenth the time that that house took to travel that distance. Oh my gosh. We should walk it when I'm kidding. I know. Seriously, you probably could get here quicker if you walked it than try to drive it in October. Yeah, that's a good point though. You pass it on your way in. Yeah. Oh, it's the one of the Salem has a lot of cool, random, weird stories, but this is definitely up there with, uh, with them. And uh, last thing I'll mention about Nathaniel West, because some of you guys recognize his name if you've stayed in the Salem Inn, there is the West House. Yes. So he doesn't stay on Chestnut Street. You know, he goes to all that trouble to bring him by ox sled, but him and his new wife, they will move to the, now it's known as the West House, uh, over on North Street in the 1830s. Good to know. And it's now like the main Salem Inn building. Yeah. One of their like six. Yes. Probably not that many, but I feel like they have a handful. Yeah. Yeah. Which I didn't know for like the longest time. Yeah. That some of them like you got to go down the street to get to. It's kind of cool. Yeah. So that's a, that's a, a little overview of some of the cool buildings here on Chestnut Street. And, uh, take a walk down it. Enjoy. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it's take, just, take a, the, the whole neighborhood. Take a walk, and we've talked about um, Broad Street and the Pickering House and Essex Street and Federal Street, and the whole McIntyre district yeah. is worth your time. Yeah, really and is. You just get lost in there. I just like, wind through genuinely. the streets. <laughs> yeah, it it. I love finding that feeling of discovery in Salem and sometimes it still happens like Mm -hmm. I can't wait till I pass by the little house plaque that says Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote the scarlet letter here because now I know it exists and I just gotta go find it but when I do I'm gonna be so excited because it's something I've never seen before and there are homes in tucked away in that little McIntyre district that you have to stop and it's like oh my gosh wow this is so cool how have I never noticed this so there's 
there's tons of little gardens. There's Broad Street Cemetery. You can tour the Pickering House. You can tour the Phillips House. You can go into Hamilton Hall. I mean, you can go into the, the Ropes Mansion was, Garden. Yep, and the Ropes Mansion. I think every every weekend. Yep, the Ropes Mansion. Yeah, so you, you can go from. The, the Phillips house to Allison's house. I love it. We didn't even mention the witch house. No. <laughs> it's overused, yeah, overdone. Yeah. We, we, we all know about the witch house. We all know about the witch yeah. house. You could do like a whole house tour thing in that. You could do one, two, three. You could do a whole afternoon. You can go in three. Unless Hamilton, if Hamilton Hall is ever just, it's not just ever open to the public, I don't think. You could go in three houses. And Purse Nichols' house is is occasionally open. Occasionally. So if you if you if you hit a good day, you could do four. There's also the assembly hall as well on Federal Street. I was going to say there's also the library. Oh, yep, that one you can just go right. Oh, you got to go and in, go into the library. That's a great one. To just head into and the Anthenaeum. Ah, yep, love it. Just add it to your list. It's a long list. We get it. Someone actually asked me for a list of recommendations the other day at the end of a tour. I think we should do that. Should I used to I used to pass out little flyers of like recommendations. Yeah. And then I was just like, it was too much. But we should do like a website-y, Patreon-y yeah. thingy. I think that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah. November. Sounds Jan- good. January? <laughs> December. Okay. Okay. Christmas. No. <laughs> we we got to go to Hamilton Hall. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we hope you have a new appreciation for Chestnut Street. I know I do. Mm-hmm. And if you are in Salem, just take an hour, half an hour. You couldn't. Not not to see it all, but I'm, I'm just trying to lure people in there. I know they'll spend longer than that, but like get them there. You get it. It takes you, how long would you say? It takes if, you. If, if this whole episode hasn't gotten them there, we're not going to get them now. I think it takes you maybe. 10 minutes to walk from one end. No, not even. I'd say it takes six minutes to walk from one end of Chestnut Street to the other. But you still have to do Essex and Federal. So boom. 15, 20, 30 minutes. Oh my that's, God, just go. I'm just saying that's all you need. <laughs> and then you'll just get lost. And never be heard from again. So if you're looking for something not related to the witch trials... Go take a stroll down Chestnut Street and take in Old Salem. Till then, thanks for listening. See you later. Mm-hmm.